Hey everyone, welcome back to the Devil's Advocates podcast. I'm JP. I'm joined here with Jake and Brat Pack, and uh, we actually we have a special guest today. We're joined with uh, Alex Chauvency. I think I'm saying your last name right. Yeah, it's close enough. All right, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, how, how you doing, Alex? Good. How you guys been? So we got a, a signing to talk about here. So uh, Devil's staying busy a little bit right now. Oh yeah, that's right. I completely forgot about him already. It's something that we've talked about a few times where there's been a couple of signings in a row now that seem to be leading somewhere in terms of the spot that they're filling. Yeah, I mean, between Chris Tierney and uh, Tomasz Nosek, I mean, I guess you could put two to two and two together here. They're, you can't say that he's guilty until the report comes out, but I'm sure that Tom Fitzgerald doesn't want to take any chances and he's just... He's signing as much insurance as he can just in case that McLeod gets implicated in that 2018 case. I mean, if you look at Noshek over the last couple of years, or Nosek, however you pronounce it, um, he's primarily played fourth-line center. He can play left wing a little bit, but you look at his face-off numbers, and he's taken like an insane amount of face-offs over the last couple of years. So he's clearly a fourth-line center. And they did the press release or the press conference with him today, so they clearly think he's going to be a regular in the lineup. Yeah, and... Uh... With his contract, it's variable in the case that McLeod is not implicated uh, and Lazar beats him out or there's just not an extra roster spot for him. I think I crunched the numbers, and unless there's some other weird signing or they run like eight defensemen for some reason, there's probably still a roster spot for him. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about this. The one-way deal pretty much solidifies it, that he's going to be up here, especially over Tierney. Uh, I think we had mentioned Tierney felt like more of a Utica-type signing, but an insurance as a just-in-case he could be brought up. But uh, Nocek here feels pretty solid. Like, he's primed for that fourth-line center role, backup just-in-case type spot. Yeah, for sure, especially since he's played on a playoff team, I think, every season he's been in the NHL. So he has a ton of experience, so they're definitely going to want him in the lineup. I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 that was something that went out today. Um, yeah, and and I think our knee jerk is is to you know go to the unknown with McLeod. But another thing I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on is, do you think this means that some of the guys that we've been talking about, like Foot and Clark, that we were kind of penciling in to get their chance this year, now that we've seen a few depth signings, do we think that the Devils are going a different direction with this and? signing these guys and maybe there won't be as many spots open for the young guys as we thought. No, I don't think so. Um, I think foot's pretty locked in as the fourth left wing. Um, I think if anything, it probably just means that if anyone wouldn't get a shot, it would be Graham Clark. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Jupe. I think Graham Clark would be the odd man out. And then, um, yeah, I think foot's probably a pretty good lock to be on the roster too. Just the way Tom Fitzgerald's talked about Nolan foot this off season makes it, seem like that they have plans for him in the NHL for next season. So I think he's got a roster spot too. Yeah. Uh, if anything, Tom's always talked about having comp- internal competition. Uh, it, at least in this case with Noshik, he is listed as a potential left winger. Uh, I, I also agree. I think foot's pretty much penciled in, but in this case, he at least can look at a depth chart and be like, Hey, there there's at least one guy that can be fighting me for this spot. I'm not get necessarily guaranteed it per se. Uh, he's at that age and he's played in the AHL almost his whole career. He, you know, he's had some very minor NHL stints uh, where he's probably not having that mindset of, oh, I have a roster spot. 
Uh, I'm sure he is going to fight tooth and nail to solidify himself out there. But again, you know, it's just one of those internal competitions, always good. Uh, and having that, if foot does struggle or anything, the fact Noshik can naturally slide over there uh, compared to like the Lazar or Bastion, who are much more of right wingers, naturally right wing at least. Uh, just kind of have that, and again, backup insurance policy options, always great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I, you know, it's a depth signing insurance policy, fourth line guy, uh, nothing too crazy. Um, Alex, uh, I know you've been, uh, at least I know, I don't know if a lot of our listeners do, uh, since JP gave us such a wonderful introduction to you, but <laughs> currently writing, uh, with Infernal Access and the hockey writers about the Devils. Yeah. Uh, I know you cover a lot of the obviously major moves and minor stuff that's always going on, uh, usually with a, a bit of an analytical, uh, skew to it or through an analytical lens to uh, for the most part um was there any out of nowhere signing whether that was a re-signing of a guy uh the contract that we gave to somebody or anything like that that just felt very out of left field whether you liked it or not uh, not that there was much to dislike about what tom's done so far but yeah i mean i can't really think of anything that they've done this off season where i'm just like where did that come from like i could even see the the no sex signing wasn't like i was kind of surprised they did it at this point but think, it wasn't really like yeah. out of left field i think if we had the mcleod stuff dead and buried this would feel a little weirder yeah yeah i, I agree with that for sure but given the current state of things you know it's like oh yeah i see why that happened yeah, exactly. Um, like, I guess Colin, like, I, did, I thought they were going to get a stopgap option because uh, just having Ball, Nemitz, and uh, Luke Hughes on the back end uh, next season would have been too young of a, a blue line. You would have had, like, three guys who just had, like, a 82 games of experience combined between the three of them. So I thought they were going to get someone to with experience that just didn't really... Colin Miller wasn't really someone I would have expected. I'd, like, you kind of never really thought he was available. Um, he's been a solid third-pair defenseman for a while, and it seemed like he was playing well for Dallas, but I guess they figured they needed to clear a little bit of cap space there, and, you know, the Devils gave up nothing to get him. I was like, what, a fifth-round pick in 2025 or something like that? Yeah. Um, and he's pretty solid uh, guy to have. I mean, he's not going to replace what they're losing in Severson in that uh, regard, but he's solid defensively. So if you have, like, a third pair of Ball and Colin Miller, that should be pretty solid. Uh, for this coming season. Colin Miller, noted NHL talent, <laughs> not NHL <laughs> talent. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> no, yeah, the way, when the the trade happened, we had an episode, and, and I, I got caught slipping. I, I didn't really – I wasn't too familiar with Miller, and I had thrown out there like, oh, well, maybe it could be an AHL thing, and uh, I got dunked on into oblivion that he is <laughs> – uh, an NHL player. <laughs> yeah, no, he's very much an NHL player. Uh, his offensive game has fallen off since that one year. and I think it was the original uh, Misfit team in Vegas. He had like 40-something points yeah. that year, and his offensive production has declined since then. But his defensive game is still quite good, so he'll help in that regard. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you think we have left to do? Do you think we got any moves coming up? I mean, I would think they're still trying to get a goalie. Uh, that's like the one thing that they have to do. But, you know, I think Nosek is another million dollars on the salary cap. They still have to re-sign Kevin Ball. So I'm just kind of, like, looking at their salary cap now. I'm like, where are they going to find the money for a goalie? Like, any goalie they get now will have to be 50% retained. And if they could even get another team uh, to retain 50% on that 50%, that would probably help. 
Um, so, you know, if, if it's going to, I don't think Hellebuck's happening at this point, just based off what Friedman said on NHL Network a couple of days ago. He sure made it sound like he's going to start the season in Winnipeg. So I feel like, and the Jets should be pretty decent this season. I, I feel like they kind of had a low key good offseason bringing in Velarde and Ayafalo in that trade. Yeah. So they could be good if they keep Hellebuck. So, you know, at least I think he starts the season there. So that dream's probably dead this offseason. I guess it would have to be Linus Ulmark or um, you know, Jeremy Swayman, your two options. And if Logan Thompson's actually available in Vegas, you know, his cap hit is so valuable. It uh, was like 766000 or something like that. Yeah. If you can get him, that's like ideal given what they have left. Uh, with the salary cap would be a perfect fit and plus he was in the system uh like four years ago so they might have a little bit of familiarity with him so that'd be one move i'd look to look yeah he was just like for like 10 games or something with like uh adirondack and binghamton the binghamton devils oh man what a throwback (laughs) yeah (laughs) like two years ago but yeah (laughs) i actually had a conversation with someone today uh did you guys ever go to trenton titans games no, nah, I never did. No, uh, Jake. Nope. No one. Nope. Nothing. Does anyone know what even what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, they were the ECHL team for a while. Yes, yeah. There was the Trenton Titans were the Devils ECHL team, and they played yeah. at you know the hockey arena in Trenton. And I think they, I became the Trenton Devils for a little while, and then they moved out years and years ago. But I, I like always think back of like. Man, it would have been great to have a minor league team in Trenton. Like, I feel like we we could get attendance up just for ourselves. You know, getting like the Twitter people out there it would have been so much fun to have another arena to go to. Uh, sorry, that's my little sidetrack tangent for the episode. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get another. Yeah, you know what? We we will uh, get another. Um, <clears throat> Alex, while I while we have you here, though, I did. Uh, I, I know this is going to come off almost sarcastic, but I promise it's not. I just want to yeah. let you know, I appreciate the, um, you know, references you make to Friedman and, and the podcasts and, and the NHL Network stuff, because you do do that a fair amount on Twitter. And I, I mean this non-ironically that, like, I really do appreciate it because I am admittedly not a huge podcast guy. I probably shouldn't say that on here, but... Um, <laughs> Why do you I get... listen to other people when you just have your own opinions <laughs> that are always right? Right. You know? So, no, I actually end up getting most of my news from you on a secondary level. You know, when <laughs> someone says on NHL Network and you tweet it out from them, I see it from you. I don't even see it from them. So I appreciate that. <laughs> and Yeah, that didn't even come across sarcastic to me. So, yeah... Uh... Mm. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate it very much. For sure. Um, and so I like to uh, get at least one not hockey at all question in, so I'm just going to go for that now. Um, so do you do you go to a lot of Devils games yourself? Uh, I did before the pandemic. Um, and since then, I can't. Haven't, I've only gone maybe like a couple times a season. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> So I, I, your your answer may be a place that's not even there anymore, but what is your pregame spot? Before the pandemic, it was Edison Ale House, and now I go to American Whiskey usually. Reds is just too much of a zoo. Honestly, it can get pretty – yeah, Reds can get pretty crowded. Uh, it's not really my thing. I mean, American Whiskey gets crowded too, but it's nothing like Reds. It's kind of ridiculous there. JP – Hop on in here. I said Reds. I said Reds before you hopped on. I absolutely said Reds. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. 
I, I am absolutely an American whiskey guy. And when I had uh, proposed that I would even ask this question, both of them were like, no, reds is the only answer. Like, what? Don't no, even ask that question. That's not <laughs> if, true. If I was going myself, it'd probably be American whiskey. But the last time I've gone was with, uh, well, she was nine months old at the time or something. So didn't didn't go to any bars or anything. But uh, no, I, you know, anyone that at least watches the, the videos of our podcast knows I'm a whiskey guy. So yeah, American whiskey would be obviously the choice. What about dinosaur barbecue before it closed down? I never went. I always oh, said, it was amazing. Yeah, it was really good. I, well, I'm I'm usually wearing a white hockey jersey and a barbecue place just kind of yeah. That's not gonna work. I live far. I live really far, and to get there early enough to beat like not having to wait an hour to get there. Yeah, the waits were crazy at Dinosaur yeah. Barbecue. So I just never got the chance. Never got the chance. I don't even remember that being a spot. So you're like five years old. So. That's fair. Jeez. That's fair. Yeah. No, I it didn't I close down that long ago. Come on. No, it was like it was that was pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the pandemic took it out. Yeah, that closed like I mean, I didn't I didn't pregame at like 17 years old, you know. Yeah, he's five. I, he's like five guys. You, you weren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that I mean, that would also be a follow-up question is if you take the train to games, what's your signature brown bag drink? <laughs> yeah. I actually don't take the train because for me, it's like transference to caucus, and then you have to go to Newark Penn Station or Newark uh, Broad Street. It's just a lot easier for me to drive from where I am in Bergen County. So, uh, yeah, I don't take the train to games. Either of you guys take the train? Yeah, I mean, occasionally. No. But... Yeah, no, I'll take NJ Transit up usually from, like, the Hamilton train station. Uh, Is that again, the closest one? Them, for me here in South Jersey, yeah. 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 yeah no, it's brutal, dude. I, I live in the middle of nowhere, man. It's like a 40-minute drive to the train station and then over an hour on the train. So it's usually easier to just drive. But we have have taken the train just for, you know, convenience. But now it's brutal. Um, Beautiful. Alex, if I had a non-hockey question for you, then I'm going to have a a few hockey-related ones uh, that we can pepper in throughout or at the end as well. Yeah. Um, So you went to Drew University. I did. Majored in... Politics or political science? Yeah, political um, science. The worthless degree. Was there uh, an ambition behind that? Or was no. just a, a casual interest? I'm at college. I have to major in something. Pretty much. Yeah, it was pretty much that. That. Um, that. Like, if they didn't have concentration uh Drew University, but if I did, it would have been international relations. So, um, I mean, I uh, kind of, like, briefly thought about going to law school. If you're going to go to law school, you know, basically do political science as your undergrad. Um, but then I was like, I really don't want to be a, a lawyer. Just, like, everyone I knew who was older than me that went to law school and ended up being a lawyer just kind of hated the life. So I was like, it's not really not worth it for me. So I worked on campaigns for a little bit after I graduated college, and that sucked, too. So um, that was just political science was really a waste of time in college, honestly. <laughs> When I run for president, I'll hit you up. That sounds good. I'll, I'll manage your campaign. Perfect. Um, when I run against Jake, I'm going to hit you up. <laughs> Never. I'm going to have if a decision my on my hand. If my competition's BP, I don't need help. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him in like uh, the the campaign manager on Parks and Rec. I don't know if any of you guys watch that show. No, I never oh, did. Oh, man. I am it's batting zero this episode. No, no, no. You, you got you got one here. All right, batting a hundred. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, 
So I, I saw I saw you had a message about a, a Barbieheimer earlier. Which one are you more excited yeah. for? First of all, it's Barbenheimer, not Barbieheimer. Fuck yeah, um, whatever. Come on, come on, man. Uh, I'm that's a tough one. I mean, I always love Christopher Nolan movies, so I probably got to go with Oppenheimer. Everyone's saying it's one of his best movies, if not the best. Uh, even though it's three hours, that that might because I'm doing I'm doing Barbenheimer the same day. I'm seeing Oppenheimer in the morning. And I'm doing Barbie later in the afternoon, just oh, the whole day. That is not yeah, the course of events yeah. that I would have figured for that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Oppenheimer is because it's three hours. It's really depressing because you know a movie about the nuclear bomb is not going to be happy. You do that first. You do a little break. You have lunch, and then you go see the happy uplifting movie in Barbie. You know, get a little com- com- comedic relief because you're going to need it after you know the nuclear bomb. So. Um, but yeah, I'm more excited for Oppenheimer. It's just Christopher Nolan doesn't really miss. Tenet was kind of eh, but I love um, Tenet. <laughs> uh, I thought that was one of his weaker movies, honestly. But <laughs> yeah, I guess we just I'm bad at zero here. JP, <laughs> yeah. JP and Alex are realizing their uh, budding friendship is actually oh, no. all a mirage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was one of his weaker movies, but oh, I mean, it was still good. He doesn't have a bad movie, right? Uh, to uh, unburn some bridges that uh, are getting gas poured on them here. Uh, JP, <laughs> did you want to cover uh, a music topic? Oh, my, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about this in Discord, uh, well, like a week ago or something. Yeah, right? not even. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Alex and I both play drums. Um, what's your What's your go-to drum song? If you had to just like, um, hop on right now, just... Yeah, so I, when I play, I usually start off with uh, Aeons or Eons by Carnival, because um, I like the build-up uh, by that song. It starts off kind of slow, and then it just kind of progresses into like this kind of crazy thing for like, the last half of it, and then it winds down. So it's kind of like a good warm-up song for me. Um, I mean, it sucked that they haven't made an album in 10 years, but I've been drumming to that song basically since Asymmetry came out. It's so, such a yeah, good it's my song. go-to song. It's such a yeah. good song. Yeah, that album's like um, this hit and miss, but what they hit on is really good on that album. And yeah. uh, so, uh, but yeah, that's like my that's the only Carnival song I can kind of drum to. Steve Judd's pretty ridiculous drummer. He's um, pretty good. He mixes up, yeah, he mixes up time signatures all the time. He's uses wacky time signatures too. So clearly, clearly influenced by Danny Carey. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I saw Danny Carey live once on like a, a spinoff jazz fusion band that he started for like one concert and then never heard from them again. It was ridiculous. I accidentally saw them. They were called Volto. Stupidest thing uh, yeah, I've I ever heard. Name. I know. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, he, he's so sick. Yeah, he's a ridiculous drummer. I mean, if it weren't for Neil Peart, he'd probably be the greatest drummer of all time. Um, it's just crazy. He's any time I listen to a Tool song, it's just like, how does this guy do this? I know he's ridiculous. I love, I love that my taste is like adjacent to your guys' taste, but not, not, not super the same. Because every now and then, Alex, you'll post something on Twitter that uh, comes from my world of music, and I'll just be like, oh my god, like yes, like this is awesome. I love seeing that kind of stuff. Um, and then you'll kind of go off on like other stuff. You like, and I'm like, oh, we were so close. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I listen to a lot of yeah, I listen to a lot of different stuff. Um, I listen to shoegaze and dream pop. I listen to progressive metal. I listen to emo, like Alexis and Fire. I got into in the pandemic a lot. 
Right. Uh, they're really good because they had a new album too. I was kind of interested to see what it was, and it turned out to be really good. Um, so yeah, I listen to like a bunch of different stuff. I listen to rap. The only genres I really don't listen to are country music because country music sucks. It's awful and mostly EDM. Yeah, country music's terrible. Yeah. Uh, the only country music I really like is Casey Musgraves, and she's not even really country anymore. Um, she's more like she's kind of, I guess, turned into more of a country pop singer. So yeah. If I remember correctly, you're a, a Denzel Curry fan. Yeah, Denzel Curry's awesome. Yeah, yeah, his last album was uh, my favorite of his. It was really, really good. I listen to it all the time still. Yeah, I still constantly go back to, um, what is it? Uh, oh, God, I just absolutely blanked on it. Unlocked. Was it Taboo? Well, Taboo's uh, fantastic. No, but Unlocked is like just this 20-minute banger front to back, uh, experimental type uh, album. Uh, didn't get as much publicity as his other ones. Uh, but I was, was that the that. with that guy like Kenny Beats or something? Uh, was that yes? Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, I didn't listen to that one that much. I they made it in that. one day. Is what was like the whole thing. They made the whole thing in one day. Twenty minute album. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, really good. Um, tattoo is his best album, by the way. Taboo. Taboo. Yes, not yes. tattoo. Taboo. Yeah. No, I. <laughs> I can't. I can't argue too hard. Taboo. I. St- yeah, I was li- literally one. listening to it yesterday. So. Yeah, my favorite album of his is his last one, but Taboo is like right there. It's like 1A, 1B, basically. All right, to keep it a little bit on music here, if you had to do just because I'm the, the rap, hip-hop, R&B type guy, I I mean, I'll listen to uh, rock and ska and some other adjacent <laughs> I'm sorry, Did you uh, just say ska? Yeah, yeah. those are the first ska. few options you went with. Like, yeah, I'll listen to other stuff like rock I, or yeah. ska or something. You have to like, throw that in there. That was number two? <laughs> You either get people that like ska that are like, oh god, yes, or people that are like ska. So you always have to throw that in there, like it's part of the, the same crew. I mean, but if you I had it, like ska should be last no, no, no. for this list. No, that's those are the top three main uh, genres out on radio right now. It's like pop, it's pop rap, rock, ska, rock, you know, the and big ska. Ones. Exactly. <laughs> we live in Jersey. If there's any ska scene, it's still here. Bouncing souls are in Asbury on Saturday. <laughs> See, see, that's what I'm talking about. Alex, <laughs> if you had to give me a top three uh, hip hop artists, you can you can choose between all time or just current faves. Um, so all time, I think all time and like current faves are kind of like a little bit the same for me. Like I, I think Nas is all time great, and I still his last couple of albums have been really good, especially the King's Disease albums. Uh, was a one, two, and three. They all got better actually as they went on. Um. And then Kendrick Lamar, for sure. Um, I mean, Good Kid, Mad City, and uh, To Pimp a Butterfly are all-time greats. I didn't really like Damn that much, but his last wow. album was, yeah. I thought it was, maybe because it followed up To Pimp a Butterfly, I was just kind of like a little bit disappointed in the sound he went for. Um, but it was still pretty good. Um, and then his last album, the double al- I forget what it was called, but the double album was pretty good. And then I actually I had didn't to go like it. The- I hated it. Rich Spirit is a fantastic song. Love that song. Eh, for the rest of it. For the record, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. For the record. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good album. And I usually don't like double albums because a lot of the time they have filler on them. And it's just like you didn't need to make a double album here. You could probably make this like a 12 track thing. But, um, and then third one, I mean, I really like Denzel Curry, but yeah, it's, it's hard, right? Yeah. yeah. I would probably uh, Danny Brown is good too, um, good but choice. I would probably yeah I would probably put Denzel Curry over uh, Danny Brown right now. Good, 
solid choices. Yeah, um, Denzel's definitely one of the more uh, newer guys, although he's been around forever, but he really burst on yeah. the more recently. Yeah, um, he's only 28 years old or something like that. He's already got like five albums. If you haven't like gone back and listened to Imperial, uh, highly recommend. I ha- yeah, I haven't. Highly recommend. Very, very good. Um, do you guys have any other uh, non-hockey or hockey stuff you really want to get into? Because I have, I have some throwback hockey questions, but I don't want to jump on those just yet. I mean, I, I do have one. Um, so one thing I've learned uh, through JP is, uh, you know, the value of analytics. Uh, I've, <laughs> I've kind of gotten more into them, you know, over time here. Um, and one thing as a, as a massive Jesper Bratt fan myself, I, one thing I always loved about, you know, comments about him was that he was an analytical darling, that people knew that he was going to be good before he really, really showed it to the general public you know, with the underlying numbers. So I want to ask you, is there anyone on the roster or in the organization at all right now that that analytically you think is going to, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say be the next Jesper Bratt, but has the numbers that aren't, you know, maybe the fan base at large isn't really paying attention to yet? Is there someone, you know, flying under the radar at all? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it's tough to say because he's in the KHL right now, but like Arseny Gritzyuk's numbers in the KHL have been really good, but I feel like the fan base has a pretty good pulse on him right yeah. now. Like they're aware he's been doing pretty well in Russia. Um, I'm trying to think like on the NHL roster, you know, like the one player, I guess if we go in the AHL, people are going to be aware of him too, is Simon Nemitz. Like his AHL numbers were pretty fantastic. Uh, what's available at least an, uh, analytically there. Um, he was really good this season. Uh, obviously, I don't, after the Colin Miller trade and what Lindy Ruff said, I don't think he's going to start the season with New Jersey. He's probably going to be in Utica to start, which I think is good for him. He'll get power uh, first power play unit time there. So, um, yeah, I, at one point, I thought Yegor yeah, Sharon which like, underlying numbers, you know, kind of suggested he had a little more in him, but he took a step back this season. So maybe a change of scenery will be good for him in Calgary. But, um, yeah, right now, I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head who's, like, Underlying numbers to like make you think like a, a giant breakout's coming um, this coming season. I have one. I have one. John Marino. Oh, really? Yeah. His, yeah. his defensive numbers are so good. Yeah. I was trying to think like because his offensive analytics are like the opposite, complete oh, opposite of his. Def- yeah, but the thing is, is too like if you watch him play, like he moves the puck really well. It's he's like a frustrating player in that regard. Um, at least offensively, it's like you know he's capable of more offensively because he did it in his rookie season with Pittsburgh. Yep. But the, for some reason, they just they don't trans his puck moving things don't trans uh, puck moving skills don't translate into offensive uh, production. It's weird too because his his like his micro stats are really 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 strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think the fan base is totally in love with him, though. <laughs> they are very much. Well, that's yeah. okay. I, I, I think one thing with Brett, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, was the fan base for the most part, obviously not every aunt and uncle, but uh, you know people that yeah. watch basically every game saw what Brett had the ability to grow into for the as the immediate fan base, but nobody outside of New Jersey had any clue who this. Yeah, guy. yeah, nobody. Yeah, that's and that's for kind sure. of where when you looked at the analytics and what we, you know, the eye test was just very clear with him is when you talk to anybody outside of New Jersey, it's like, 
we're talking about this Jesper Bratt kid. Nope, you know, what was, you know, the whole meme. Uh, sixth rounder, Jesper Bratt, had a middle name that I'm not going to repeat on air. Uh, you know, it was hyped up by the fan base. Do you not remember this, Mr. No. Jesper Bratt is the best? I, I no? have I no yeah, idea what you're remember. talking about. Yeah, JP, I you know what I'm talking about? Either. Not a clue. No. All right, well, I mean, we can beep this here? out to keep it friend, uh, family friendly if we want, but no, it was uh, Jesper Thundercock Bratt. Do you not remember this? <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Look no. it up. It, it's 100% a thing. 100%. Like, I'm not making that up. I'm not looking that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put that in your Google search history. Sure. Sure. I'm not looking that I, up. I've seen what most of, you guys, most of you guys talk about on Discord. So oh, God. You, you can afford to Google search that. Oh. I'm just going to take your word for it. Yeah, I, I feel like we have to at least peel this back one layer. Sure. Um, when you say it's a thing, from who? Yeah, I don't remember this at all. It was definitely all over uh, the subreddit, uh, oh, on, I'm not on a couple Reddit, different discords, so. and I saw it uh, intermittently. At least to, this was his rookie year, like only. Basically, after the rookie year, this I didn't really see it much anymore. Uh, but on Twitter as well. <laughs> I have never seen this. Is the first time. <laughs> yes, yeah, this is the first time I've ever heard of I'll, it. Yeah. I'll, I'll look. I'll find it. I'll get screenshots. <laughs> it's there. It's a thing. This oh, this is God. one of the uh, weird things that happens. At least, I mean, uh, it's not a unique experience if the other two guys are also saying this, but I did join like hockey social media very late in the game. I you know for as long as I've been a Devils fan, I didn't really realize that the online community existed so much. So I actually uh, I think yesterday got the notification that my Twitter account turned two years old. So I, I've really only been around for two years. So I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've been a Jesper Bratt fan for six years now, but I only, you know, admitted that online like two years ago. So some of this stuff I, I wasn't even around for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been on hockey Twitter for a while and I never remember what <laughs> we just uh, talked about. Just, just so you guys know, I'm not too crazy. Here's a literal Twitter search. I also oh, searched no. the Discord. There was inf uh, just a ridiculous amount of it on Discord. Of this course, just a quick... Ifweg, yeah. Ifweg is the first one there, of course. Quick Twitter search pops up. So I'm not too crazy. <laughs> oh my God! Look at yeah, that. no, that's a thing. Yeah, it's that's legit. A thing, yeah, absolutely. So a thing. You're gonna uh, have to post this on our Twitter now. Sure. So uh, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back. Uh, while we're on the subject of Jesper Brett, Alex, I gotta ask: if you had a pick between the two players, as is right now, contracts as is. There's Timo Meyer and there's Jesper Bratt. One of them has to be shipped away. Return is irrelevant. You have to keep one of them on the team. Who are you taking? Oh man, questions bullshit. I mean, I think just I think Jesper Bratt has a better contract. Uh, seven point eight seven five million dollar uh, AAV is. I think I don't. I'm not gonna say Timo Meyer is overpaid. He's not, but I see more value in. Brat's contract than Timo's, um, especially since you know I think Brat's a little younger. He probably age better over the span of his eight-year contract than Timo Myers, especially for the style of play of, uh, that Timo plays. So um, I would ship out Myers, but we know that's not happening. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would. Great yeah, answer. Great question. Yeah, I, I love I would, that question. Yeah, I would keep Jesper Bratt. I know, like, half the fan base would have a meltdown over that, especially after recency bias, and they just remember what he did in the playoffs, even though he wasn't really that bad in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, he's kind of a unique player, too. You don't really see 
to, uh, was it on the last hockey PDO cast of Thomas Drantz and Dmitry Filipovich? They talked about Jesper Bratt and how, like, compared to William Nylander, um, they were like, Bratt's a unique player. Like, would you take Bratt over Nylander and Dmitry and Thomas Drantz? Like, yeah, you know, there's a reasonable argument for it. He, you don't see too many players of his skill set. Um, so, yeah, I would keep him. Wow, great answer. Great question. Good job, guys. Yeah, no, I, I think those are all very legitimate reasons. For me, it would definitely be the age factor is probably the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking the full term of those contracts. Uh, so absolutely see where you are coming from there. Um, that was my immediate devil's questions. I got some fun throwbacks for you at some point, but uh, JP yeah, and BP, I'm sure have a couple. No, you guys want to keep going? Yeah, toss them out. Get it going. All right, Alex, don't uh, hate me too much for any of this, okay, sir? So uh, I went back as far as I could find, and uh, the oldest article of yours that I could find was from June 9, 2015. Is Malkin yeah. growing weary of his situation? Yeah, that was um, my first article ever, I'm pretty Ooh, sure. nailed it. Yeah, um, for Devil's Army blog. Um, at, I mean, I don't remember <laughs> God, that was like eight years ago already. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Yeah. At the time, there was rumors that the Penguins were gonna move on from Evgeny Malkin. Uh, I think it was just after the Ray Shero, um got fired and hired by the Devils, and then uh, I think Bilesmo got fired. So there was rumors that the Penguins were gonna kind of have this big turnover, and Malkin was gonna be one of the casualties. So I was like, yeah, this is my first article. It would be a good topic to write about. Yeah, so I didn't think anyone would read it because, like, Devil's Army blog was pretty small at the time, but it got clicks. Um, um, yeah, I do remember it. To be fair, you did say, you did say in the article, uh, you did not think it would come to fruition. You were pretty sure yeah. he was going to stay in Pittsburgh. Uh, so yeah, I, that, yeah, that was I, even if like, I guess if Ron Hextall took over as GM, then maybe there would have been a little <laughs> bit of a different outcome, but. Yeah, that was yeah. never going to happen. Um, all right, then. Uh, I have another throwback for you in a similar but yet different vein. Uh, a few articles later or so. Uh, June 26, 2015. Are we just playing gotcha with his articles? Here? <laughs> I, that was a good throw. His first ever article written. He nailed it on talking about Malkin and him staying. Come on. I don't think there was a question involved. I think you were just like, hey, you wrote this article, bud. <laughs> I wanted him to reminisce. <laughs> reminisce. Talk about it. This one comes with a bit more of a question. And a, and a gotcha. Uh, so this one's just about how we traded for Palms. Uh, I agree with that. Oh, right. Yeah, there. that was around the same time. Yeah. Uh, he was a great young scoring forward, right side uh, winger that we needed. Yada, 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 blah, blah. Great info in here. You basically nailed everything about Paul Mary. However, to end this article... After talking about uh, Ratio and John Hines, bringing in fast attacking supportive, how Palms is a great addition here, brought in more than we let go to get him. Last sentence. Uh, after drafting Pavel Zaka with sixth pick, it's safe uh. to say that Ray Shiro is off to a good start as GM of the New Jersey Devils. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, he did get me there. So at the time, I someone said, I don't remember who asked the question on Twitter, but I had said, like, at the time, I was cool with, like, drafting Zaka at six overall because, like, he was a pretty good junior player, and he was a completely different player in juniors than what he was in the NHL. Like, he got suspended a few times in the OHL. He played with, like, some snarl. We we never saw that with him in New Jersey, so 
I thought he would have been like a you know a second line center who could have like contributed like fifty to sixty points, but he would have played with like a bit of a physical edge. But we never saw that physical side of him in New Jersey. So, yeah, I mean a lot of and I remember well I don't remember at the time I found this out researching something uh, for pretty recently that like he was I think the sixth ranked prospect in Bob McKenzie's rankings that year. So like it wasn't an unreasonable picked by the Devils at the time. They just didn't really work out. So, yeah, I was definitely wrong about that one for sure. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's a little bit of a gotcha, but really my question uh, and reason for bringing that up is if there was a prospect, uh, could be recent draft or guy, you know, someone who just hasn't really cracked the main roster yet, that you felt high on at the time of drafting, but you feel like could fall, like and you're even possibly still high on now, uh, but could potentially fall off from the level you see them reaching, who would be your prime candidate for that? Are you talking about like in the in the devil system? Yeah, devil system right now. So basically someone you're probably high on right now, but if there was a quote-unquote bust candidate of this, who yeah. would that be? Um, so I'm still pretty high on Alex Holtz. Like I think he's, he's only 21, and he's produced at every level uh, he's played at other than the NHL at this point. So I think it's going to click for him at some point. But if there was someone who would, you know, never really at least reach their potential with the Devils, maybe it would work out, you know, with another organization, it would probably be him. I have a, I have a tangentially related question. Um, given their contracts and the players they are right now, would you rather have Pavel Zaka or Eric Halla? Uh, yeah, definitely Eric Halla. Uh, I think the two-way game, um, Hall's two-way game is good. And you know, I know Zaka had a pretty good year this past season, but he was just basically c- collecting secondary assists off David Pasternak's. So, like, the production was kind of, I don't want to say empty calorie, but it kind of was in a in a sense. So I would have rather have Eric Hall. I think, too, Eric Hall is just, like, a locker room presence. You could tell he loves being... Uh, with the Devils, and it seems like his teammates really like him too. This, you know, even the bromance with Jack Hughes was kind of like a thing on social media during the season. So, you know, for that reason too, kind of an intangible thing. I, I would definitely rather have Eric Hall. Interesting. Eric Hall seemed like Jack Hughes' dad. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big I mean, brother, they, big brother, yeah, big brother, big brother. Okay. Kind of for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I agree uh, with Alex. Actually, I would, I would still take Halla. Uh, in a, if let me, actually, let me caveat it. In a pure vacuum, pure vacuum. If Zaka wasn't originally part of this team, but still had like the same career trajectory he's on, I probably would take Zaka yeah. as a new addition. Yeah. But with yeah. the, if you want to say it as such, baggage. If you, there's probably a better word there, but I'm just going to use baggage that he uh, had with just the organization, the expectations, the not meeting them, uh, and there just seemed to be a one foot in the sand type situation. He just was not going to reach what he potentially could be still in his career here. I think it, it's a, it was a win-win trade. And I think I'm very, you know, I'm very happy with Hala. I wouldn't switch it. I wouldn't uh, undo that trade by any means. Yeah. That's pretty much yeah. how I feel about it. I think Eric Hala feels the same way. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that was my uh, throwback burner, deep research questions. Uh, so I don't know if you other two have anything burning in your pocket you wanted to throw out there. Um, yeah, I do yeah, actually. I um, cause just cause you said you're high on Holtz. He, I know he's been kind of a hot topic this summer because 
been in the AHL two years now. Um, it it kind of seems like his make or break year with the organization. Uh, what are you expecting from him this year? Where do you expect him lineup wise? You know, what 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 can we all as fans kind of look for here with Alex Holtz in his third year now? Yeah, so if they don't sign another top nine forward, and I think the only person they would really sign at this point is bringing back Tatar on a one-year deal, then they're going to give him, you know, he'll have a spot to lose basically in training camp in the top nine somewhere. So he should get to play with some pretty good players, even if he's on the third line, say with Palat and Hala. Like, those are two guys that should work out pretty well for him. We know Holtz is never going to be great defensively, it's, and it really shouldn't matter since he's a winger. If you get the two-way presence with Halla there, and then Palat's a good playmaker, so he could you know set up Holtz for scoring chances. I mean, ideally, I'd like to see him get a chance with Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes because I think that's would give him the best chance at succeeding if you know he's quick enough to keep keep up with them. Which I don't really think he's that slow anymore. I feel like he has gotten quicker since they drafted him. I think why they sent him down last year is they weren't happy with his two-way game and. I'm probably going to write about this at some point, uh, either for the hockey writers or Infernal Access, but, like, they shouldn't really, like... Uh, if he's really that bad defensively, then okay, that's one thing. But, like, I don't think he's going to be that much of a net negative where, like, you should really be worried about his defensive game. Just put him in a role where he can succeed offensively because that's what you drafted him for to begin with is to score goals. Um, you know, I don't... If, I think he's going to start the season uh, with New Jersey, even if he doesn't have a great preseason. I think they're just going to give him a chance to compete. And, you know, if he's capable of the breakout we think he is. Like, I, I could see 20 goals this year, especially if he's in the right situation, but we haven't really seen it yet, so you're just kind of like betting on him to reach that potential at this point. So I kind of hope it works out. You know, I think if it doesn't work out this year, then it's going to be change of scenery type of thing, you know, either at the trade deadline or next offseason, but I think he's, uh, like I said before, you know, I'm still high on him. I think he's in the right situation. He'll put up some good offensive numbers. Um, you know, I think 2020 would be, you know, 20 goal, 20 assist kind of season would be what to expect from him at this point. And then if you get anything more than that, it's obviously a bonus. Uh, so we actually had a couple of contentious points. Uh, one here on the pod was something you brought up. And the one I've just kind of seen across social media with the Devils. Uh, you can kind of pick which one you want to address more, but uh, at least here between us, we had a bit of back and forth about where Holtz would slot in line-wise in the top six. Uh, I believe JP uh, 100% agreed with you, uh, with Jack and Brett. Yep. Uh, I was more so uh, looking at him with like uh, Nico Timo. Uh, for me, Jack and Brett do some of their best wheeling and dealing uh, kind of uh, above the red line, uh, kind of along the boards, but not actually on them, like just outside of the boards, through the upper part of the ice, and just kind of wheeling, dealing around. And for me, Toffoli is that kind of perfect third guy for them to crash the net front, uh, dig out pucks deep that end up deep in the zone, and be a trigger man for them as well, while also setting them up. So while with Nico and Timo, I think they can set, uh, they can do a lot more of the dirty grinding type role while also all three of those guys are trigger men and great passers. But my actual question with all that is, regardless of which one of those lines Holtz ends up on, who is your pick to drop down out of the top six? Yeah, that's a pretty interesting question, right? Because you have so much talent that's going to be in the top six without Holtz already. Um, so, like, 
the thing is, like, if you drop down Dawson Mercer, he's usually not as great in the third line situation. You know, Todd was talking about that in Discord earlier today. Like, his, you know, he usually, I mean, maybe it changes as he matures and his game gets better. He'll be able to drive a line better than he has at this point. But right now, he kind of needs, like, Nico or Jack to really hit the top of his game. Um, so if you drop him down, will he be as productive? But at the same time, if Holtz is playing in the top six, that probably means he's up for it at this point. So that's kind of one of the trade-offs that you, I guess, have to consider. Um, Toffoli's obviously not dropping down. They didn't drop him, acquire him to be a third-line winger. So um, I guess one thing you have to think about, too, is like is Holtz comfortable enough playing on his offhand on the left side? Like, could he play left wing? That probably give you some more options to try to make things work. Like, could Alex Holtz, Dawson Mercer, Jack Hughes line? Uh, kind of work, or you know, you well, that wouldn't make sense to flip Brat on the actually, Brat does play on the right side, so you could do that, I guess. But yeah, I don't know, it's an interesting question like, who do you drop down? Uh, I guess it's a good problem to have when you have that much talent. Um, so we'll see what they decide to do in training camp, but they should, you know, try halts with a bunch of different things to see what works. Um, for sure, like we thought last year, like, what was it, Hughes and Palat was the thing that they tried with yep. Holtz last preseason, right? And, Everyone's like, oh, this looks great. Yeah, Yeah, it did look really good. So everyone's like, oh, well, this is what they're going to start the regular season with. So it'll be interesting to see how Lindy Ruff decides to start things at training camp with him. That was the Triple H line. Yeah, that's right. No. No, 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 sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Cut that. Andre Pallant. Yeah, H2O. H2O, H2O, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut, just cut that. I, I I made it so long in the episode without doing it, and here we are. <laughs> At least once an episode, I, I, I say something that everyone on Twitter now is going to be like, why do you guys let this idiot back on the podcast? <laughs> when I, from, from what I heard through the grapevine, there was uh, wicked complaints across the board of you not being here last time. Was there? Oh, well, that's flattering. Uh, no, oh. I, I made that up just to make you feel better. Sorry. What is going on? <laughs> now, I, I have no more questions. I feel like we kind of yeah. covered a nice yeah, wide range of topics here. Yeah, Alex, do you have anything to plug? Um, I'm just doing like a news and rumors article that I usually do. During the season, it's usually weekly, but now there's not too much going on. So it's kind of a bi-weekly thing. Just going to talk about some of the stuff we talked about you know, in this episode. The Nosek uh, signing, the goalie search, and then... They announced the prospects challenge this week, if I remember right. So I'll touch on that a little bit. And then start next week and probably do like potential breakout candidates for the 2023-24 season and then figure it out from there. Uh, And those can be found at Infernal Access and the Hockey Raiders. Yep. Perfect. And uh, not to give competition, uh, because it's not competition where it's all big happy devils family around here. Uh, In my opinion, uh, the... uh, only competition I would consider as great in-depth hockey Devils discussion is Devils on the Rush, Alex's podcast. Thank you. Uh, comes out uh, in the off-season. I don't know if you guys are still on a weekly schedule, but at least in-season you are, I think. Yeah, in-season we're on a weekly schedule. Right now it's just kind of like whenever something pops up. My co-host is traveling for work right now, so I'm not sure we'll be able to get something out this week. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like right now, you know, whenever something pops up, we or something we can think of that would be like a fun off-season topic and you try to do it that way too. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, definitely check them out, guys. I know uh, guys just started last season. So uh, yeah, 
I don't know why we changed the season thing. To be honest, like I we start we we started season two before the draft and free agency even started, and I look back on them like, why did we do that? It should have just kind of like you know been after free agency that we did that, but whatever. I guess that's semantics at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think anyone's gonna watch or not watch or listen. I guess, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for uh, hopping on with us. It was nice to have you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, of course. Uh, deuces from Jake. Yeah. Take it easy, everyone. Jesper Brown is the best player in the NHL. Mm-hmm.